Your Steve Jones Show podcast is loading now. The Steve Jones Show podcast is sponsored by Sunbury Motors, North 4th Street in Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Sports talk where your voice counts. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motors Studio, here's Steve Jones. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf and online at sunburymotors.com. Ford Lincoln Kia Hyundai, great new inventory. Fabulous pre owned inventory. Great selection with the Sunbury Motors guarantee. All at Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Key Routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf and online at sunburymotors.com. It's interesting. Uh, about a, um, a couple days ago, the, the suit said to me, he says, oh, I got a great tip for you. He said, uh, and I said, are you sure you want to buy more GameStop? All right, we'll come back with uh, more on that a little bit later in the show. I just, uh, He's probably excited about yesterday's news anyway, speaking of that. Why was yesterday's news? Of uh, EA Sports bringing back NCAA football. That's three years away. I know. But he he'd still be greatly excited about that. He knows the games aren't real, right? I think, but... I don't know. All right, great. We'll draw straws again to see who has to break it to him. All right, <laughs> our play-by-play call of the day. And some clock, shot clock at nine. Harris between the rigs. Around a Waha pick. Harris now gets the ball left of the circle. Live the left wing is Blair. One on the shot clock, fires the three, and banked it off the window. Oh my! Blair with the bank open. Does it count as a three? Yes. Blair makes it 79 70. How huge was that three by Blair? Penn State last year. Georgetown upset Creighton last night. Great win for them. Always great to have on board with us from CBS Sports, Dennis Dodd. Dennis, welcome back. Great to have you with us. How you been? It has. How are you guys? Thanks for having me on. Yeah, doing great. Doing great. All right. Uh, there's going to be a, a battle that you wrote about uh, in the Supreme Court, and amateurism is at stake. So, you know, the NCAA has staked out its part in this, in, uh, in NCAA versus Alston. Right. When they got into the O'Bannon case, which was different than this, the NCAA, I, I kind of felt like Mark Emmert handed it to them on a silver platter on the witness stand. So in this, it's different. It's the Supreme Court. How do you view this, and what avenue could this take? Well, first you have to start with the assumption that, well, well the certainty that there's going to be some kind of uh, NIL rights, and probably pretty big NIL rights for the players. Name, image, and likeness. Yep. They're going to be able to profit, do commercials, gain endorsements, be paid for social media, apparel, everything. Okay. That, that's going to happen uh, and be in place by the next academic year, 21-22. What, this, what Austin, this Austin case in the Supreme Court does is says that uh, it has been ruled in a lower court in the Ninth Circuit in uh, Northern California. Players have uncapped 
educational benefits uh, while they're in school, uh, among other things. Now, what that means, to simplify it, you could take, uh, if Sean Clifford lived off, lived off campus 10 miles and, you know, need to get to class, a school could buy him a new car. Right. Hey, it's, a, it's, it's tethered to education. It's right. an educational benefit. Right. So the NCAA and the conferences have filed separate briefs, separate petitions. They were accepted. The Supreme Court case, you know, seeking those caps that are in place. If the, the Supreme Court rules for the lower court, that is the end of amateurism, guys. Exactly. You've got the NIL. Yep. You've got the NIL unlimited educational benefits they'd be pros okay it's interesting because you know as you mentioned the ninth circuit court in northern california opened the door on this now that's not surprising you know and not to get political here but everyone knows that the ninth circuit court is a more wide open liberal court i think that's fair that's fair yep because of the balance of the supreme court right now does that now make this unpredictable because nobody really knows how these nine people feel about this? Well, just t- just talking to legal experts and assembling that story, I, I I think the NCAA and the conferences have a heck of a shot at prevailing. Right. Because it is a conservative court. Uh, I, I don't want to call it a Trump court because a lot of those justices were there before he appointed his. But it is a conservative court. Uh, a conservative court would be more pro-business than pro-labor. So you would assu- the assumption is that they would side with the NCA and the conferences and, and, and overturn uh, the decision by Claudia Wilkin in the Ninth District. The, the problem there is they have to go before her uh, in another case that's now being heard called House versus NCAA, which deals with name, image, and likeness. It's a, it's another challenge to that. I mean, right. I, I don't know. I don't know the details in it. Right. So, are you just creating the same problem in that? And here's here's another option. The Supreme Court may say, "Well, we don't have really have an opinion on this. We're going right. to remand it back to the Ninth Circuit." And so the the rule the her decision stays in place. So it's really it's interesting and complicated. Is there a fine line the NCAA has to walk in its Supreme Court brief, uh, brief? Excuse me, because they do eventually have to go back to her about the Grant House case. Yeah, I, I, I did. I made that that point in the in the piece that they a big part of their uh, presentation, and they only get twenty minutes. Each side gets twenty minutes in front of the Supreme Court. Is that? Claudia Wilkin misapplied the law. Forget about right or wrong. She, she shouldn't have made the decision in the first place because she misapplied the law. And it gets into horizontal structure and joint ventures and everything else. It's really complicated. But, but that's the best way to sum it up. And so how does that sit with her? Oh, I misapplied the law, huh? How do you like this in house? <laughs> <laughs> you know, to, to, to narrow it down. And she's a, uh, just for background, she's a 71-year-old Stanford-educated, uh, very decorated um, judge who's been in the ni- on the Ninth Circuit since 1993, appointed by the Clinton administration. And you're right, there's a reason all these lawsuits filed against the NCA are in the Ninth Circuit, uh, because it's perceived to be more liberal. And, and that's, look, that's not, 
that's the way you play ball. This isn't an NCAA thing necessarily in in any case. They try to go look for the friendliest court they can get a decision from. Exactly. Uh, We've talked a couple of times. Once was during the summertime, a couple times during the season. In your opinion, how remarkable was it that somehow this season did get in? Uh, Pretty remarkable in that I was being asked before the season how, you know, if will it get played? And all I would say is, I think there will be some games played. Don't tell me how it ends. Right. Because, you know, the same thing is happening in basketball. There's doubt whether they'll be able to get that whole thing in. And I think football, in essence, drove through the car wash without getting very wet. Um, I don't think anybody should be taking a lap because there weren't any right answers. Right. You know, um, it, it was you know, the, the players were asked to do something that was never in their letters of intent. Uh, and yeah, I know about the opt-outs, but look, if, if you're the number one player in the draft or even just want to play football, you know what you have to do. You know what you want to do. Right. And so, but they didn't tell you. You'd be getting up at 6 a.m. every day to test. You'd practice for 35 days without playing. You might catch a dread disease. And in fact, you did catch a dread disease, and and you know, and how that worked out. So. I think the real heroes here, if we're going to sign letter grades, the heroes here are the players. I think that's what no doubt. Yep. Yeah. I mean, you're. T- I mean, I know here uh, Northwestern, to their credit, now they ended up missing a game, but not because of them. Northwestern, I think, had no positives. Uh, they had one. They I, had did, one. I did a piece on. Okay. It. Yeah. Yeah, they had mm-hmm. one. Penn State had 58 false positives. I think Penn State only had one positive total. I mean, that's re- that it takes remarkable discipline within a bubble yeah. and a campus environment where students were here, Dennis. They were here yeah. up, up until Thanksgiving. And these guys had to sacrifice holidays and things like that to make this happen, too. Yeah, I, I was alert. I was tipped to a situation at Northwestern. Again, just using it as an example of the sacrifices right. the players went through, there was a, a tight end at Northwestern who, like his other teammates, you know, went through these restrictions, but but spent Christmas in his off-campus apartment with his two roommates eating burritos and watching Austin Powers movies. <laughs> and that, without, you know, not, not with their family. Right. So that's the kind of things they went through, and, and somehow they, they got through it. I, I, I do give Pat Fitzgerald and the administration credit on that one. Nothing screams Merry Christmas like three Austin Powers movies. <laughs> <laughs> and one billion burritos. <laughs> one, one million <laughs> burritos. That's right. <laughs> no, 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 it'd be a billion, sir. All right. <laughs> hey, Larry Scott, uh, look, the way the Pac-12 network went, other things have gone. Uh, what are the stakes now for the Pac-12 Moving on from Larry Scott and the decision they have to make there, I, I think it's relevant to the Power Five conference. When that day, that night, that Tuesday night, it broke. I wrote the story. I said essentially, the Pac-12 it's become a uh, a Power Four. Yeah. Yes, they, they the only thing that makes them a Power Five right now is they get Power Five money for those West Coast markets, and that they're always going to get paid for those as long as there's a conference there. So that's what makes them a power five. They make power five money. Number five power five money, but still. Right. Everything else, 
competitively, uh, recruiting, perception, marketing, everything. They're just they're, they're not they're not with it. I mean, this you know here's a guy who played more basketball games in China than won national championships in the two major sports in the 11 years he was there. Right. So some something was misapplied. So, um, yeah, it was uh, it was bad. They need a total redo there. It has to start with the TV negotiations for the next contract, which isn't isn't going to come up until 2025. But you start negotiating about eighteen months from now, right? Exactly, and and see what I, if I recall correctly, uh, Dennis, he, it was like a, a dozen years he signed for. I mean, he, he actually, I mean, yeah, that was yeah. yeah, yeah, that was part of the problem. He signed a twelve-year deal in two thousand and ten, I think, which at the time, or two thousand one, at the time looked really good. He had yeah. monetized what had been left on the table. All these years in the old Pac-8 and Pac-10, and then expanded, failed the uh, Big 12 raid, but but expanded. You know, got more money for Utah and Colorado. The problem was some of the other Power Five leagues were able to renegotiate two and three times during that window, and now we're way out of sight. I mean, you know, the Big Ten is you know average payout is 54 million dollars. Right. I think the Pac-12 is 32 million per year. Mm-hmm. So. They've, yeah, they've got to do that. They're, and real quick, there's a, an issue in the ACC, the same thing. Yes, Their contract ex- exactly. is 2036 and is undervalued, basically because ESPN said, okay, we'll give you your network. Uh, you know, they, they didn't want to do it. They, in fact, had told the SEC, because of competitive reasons, we will not add another network after we do yours. Right. When, they, when they added the ACC, not, the SEC was not only pissed, but they said, okay, here's the trade-off. You get your network ACC, but we're going to do some cost certainty out to 2036. And so the only way the ACC can, can open that contract up and, um, and, and make it worth more is to get Notre Dame as a member. Exactly. And that's not, and that's not going to happen. No, but it's certainly for, yeah. for Jim Phillips, it still has to be yeah. something that's at the top of his list of, of, of something to attempt to do. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He, yeah. Going in, that absolutely. Um, and I don't know how that looked. I, I thought it was a success for the big, for the ACC and the Notre Dame. I thought it was great. Oh, I, I thought I, it gave I pause. Do too. I thought it should have given pause to everybody at Notre Dame. Oh, just think about this now. You yeah. know. Yeah. But they want to go back to how they started in their independent status. They were a barnstorming team in the early 1900s playing across the country because the Big yeah. Ten wouldn't play. Right. And that's how all this started. Uh, so you talked about the Big Ten money. We know what the SEC money is. So they're, 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 the neighborhoods are right there. Are they creating financially such a separation between now it goes two, then ACC, Big 12, then Pac-12? Then PAC is that kind of separation potentially developing? Because yeah, of, because of the that, money, you're seeing that. Yeah, you're seeing that microclimate, um, micro separation within. It used to be the group of five and the power five. Now it's, you know, now it's the power, the top of the power five, whatever it is. SEC, Big Ten. Yeah. And even smaller than that, if you want to go to football, um, you know, Clemson, Ohio State, and Alabama are so far ahead of everybody else right now. It's it's 
it's amazing. It's those three and everybody else to the point that Notre Dame, that's played football for 115 years, was the upset number four team this year. You know? <laughs> right. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and, and it may be the same this coming season. You know, it may be those three again, although I think Ohio State's got has too much to replace to be in the top four, but we'll see. Yeah. Which then brings up there's still five years to go on the uh... – on the contract. Everyone talks about expansion all the time. So look, obviously money is gonna play a role. I got it. So I'm gonna I'm gonna do the stupid thing. Let's for the moment take money out of it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. So yeah. now now that I've done the stupid thing, all right. Uh does college football need an expanded playoff just to get the the more of the nation involved in the college p- playoff? No, no, and I'll tell you why. If if you go and I we're talking with the knowledge that you know these ratings were the worst ever, I think for the champ game they have been the worst ever this yeah. year. So we know that that's what right. we're talking about. Sure. Repetition of the same teams. Right. It, tell me, tell me with eight teams, if it would have been any different in the champ game? No. Probably not. No. Probably not. If you go to eight, three of those spots are going to go to the usual suspects. This year it would have been. I don't know, Florida, Georgia, and who the third team have been, um, and, and, and then Cincinnati. Right. Does that blow the ratings out of the water? No. 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 Not, not, you know, in that example, the answer is no. So if you're going to do it for that, then you, you got to start thinking lo- think long and hard. Yeah, will it be some diversity and variety? Yeah, absolutely. But at the end of the day, you're still going to see – Teams, think about this. In the seven-year history right. of this thing, there have been there have been twenty-eight slots. Right. Four teams times seven. Only twelve teams have played for it. Right. You know, you're, it's 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 kind of going to be the same with an extra layer. Right. So you got to think about that. Does it does it potentially change the thought process? I mean, obviously, you know, you talk. Everybody's going to sign with their teams. I got that. But does it change the thought process in recruiting? Because the NFL, if you are the Jacksonville Jaguars, you get Trevor Lawrence. If you're if you're Alabama, you win the national championship. You get the number one recruiting class. So it's one eighty. <laughs> so does it, yeah. could it could it change the spreading of of players across the country because more teams are perceived as having a shot at being in it? It it could. Um... You know, as long as Nick Saban, Dabo Sweeney, and Ryan Day are in place, I don't know if it does in any meaningful way. Right. Um, because, as I said, I think it's not only talent; it's the marketing. It's not the marketing, but it's the it's they're they're getting out front on NIL and telling uh, prospects this is what you can earn. Right. Um, in terms of just something as small as analysts. Stuff like that, nutrition, that type of thing. So yeah, it 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 does. Um, you know, if if you're a, you know, if you're the, well, I mean, it happened this year. The number one player in the country went to USC. USC hasn't been relevant for a while. And they had right. the number eight team in the country, um, or number eight, number eight recruiting class. Right. So it's happening, but the problem with it's a it's a multi layered argument. And I did this story years ago. You know, what is the worth of ranking recruiting classes? And I just started writing them down from year to year. It only matters in the top 10 because the top 10 are the ones that usually win. 
So right. it becomes a circular argument. You get below that, top 10, 15, it's a crapshoot on who's going to win. Um, big, big I'm talking about. But the same 10 teams are in there every year, give or take. Right. Always a pleasure. You know that, Dennis. Thanks so much. Had a lot of fun. All right. Enjoy. Thanks, guys. Dennis Dodd, CBS Sports. Another suit-free interview. All right, we'll come back. What? What? I'm sorry. You guys told me, do whatever you can to increase the ratings, so we went that direction. No? On News Radio 1070 WK, okay. When it comes to car buying, there's the other guy's way, and then there's the SMC way. The other guys force you into a vehicle you really don't want. The Subway Motors way lets you take the time you need to browse, ask questions, and take the test drive and think on it. For over 100 years, the Merth family and all their employees have made your experience the most pleasant one you'll ever have. The other guys won't offer you the best price for your trade, no matter how much they say they will. The SMC way is their promise to provide you with the most money the market shows your vehicle is worth. The SMC way is to offer you all applicable factory rebates on new vehicles and generous discounts. Looking for a pre-owned vehicle? The SMC Way checks each vehicle in a 200-mile radius to determine the lowest price, then beat it. It's the lowest price promise, just part of the SMC Way. The choice is up to you. The other guy's way or the SMC Way. The SMC Way wins every time. Sunbury Motors Company in the North 4th Street Auto Plaza, Sunbury and at sunburymotors.com. Selling more cars and satisfying more customers for over 100 years. Taking your calls at 800-795-9565. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motors Studio, here's Steve Jones. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Q, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf and online at sunburymotors.com. Ford, Lincoln, Kia, Hyundai. Great new inventory. Hyundai just had a record year. Sunbury Motors is a big reason why. And also, they have fabulous pre-owned inventory. Plenty of that as well. Which has the Sunbury Motors guaranteed. Uh, Great sales staff, fabulous service department. All at Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Kia. Routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. And online at Sunbury Motors. Dot com. All right. Uh, Baylor Gonzaga pulling away from the pack in a year where you don't have great teams. They are as the close as you have in the regular season to great teams. The two of them have been ahead of everybody all year. Baylor paid, played Texas the other day. Texas is the fourth-ranked team in the country. Baylor toyed with Texas toyed with them and that is where they are and where Gonzaga is right now and Gonzaga by the way says they'll play Baylor in the regular season I mean they'll try and make it happen but right now Baylor is trying to make up some games Also, how about the $2 million coordinator, running back coach Tony Elliott? The offensive coordinator is going to get $2 million a year. He'll go from $1.6 million to $2 million. I guess he walked in, the way the story goes, I guess he walked into 
Dabo Swinney says, what do you want? He said, soup money. I mean, I look around and go, the tentacles are everywhere. I don't get it. See, I think it's important for you to start understanding okay, that all the spokes come out from the center of the wheel. <laughs> I'm starting to. I'm just telling you. Now, we just had Dennis Dodd on, and Dennis just put together a story about uh, name, image, and likeness. He said college athletes will be able to unionize if a name, image, and likeness bill introduced by Senator Chris Murphy of Connecticut is passed. Now, Murphy, by the way, is a huge college sports fan. Big sports fan, period, but a big college sports fan. This would allow college athletes to make money off their name, image, and likeness with the fewest restrictions possible. Now, the NCAA's delayed passage of NIL after the Department of Justice raised questions about the antitrust concerns. Now, the NCAA really expects to have what they want to do in place by August 1st. But Murphy's bill would take it a step further, making it a federal right that could not be limited by the NCAA. And it would uncap the NIL rights for college recruits as well. Athletes would be able to organize through collective representation. Taken as a whole, the bill would be counter to what the NCAA wants to do with their, quote, amateurism model. Murphy said, I love college sports, but it's time to admit that something is very rotten with the industry that makes $15 billion a year, and many athletes can't afford to put food on the table. Big-time college athletics look no different than professional leagues, and it's time for us to stop denying the right of college athletes to make money off their talents. Okay. It is true. This is what hurts um the NCAA's argument. And it is, and I've gone back to this many times, I talk about criticism we we see of coaches now, it seems to be greater than ever before, because people now are looking at somebody and saying, hey, you're making $3 million a year, I want a $3 million performance on the sideline. Uh, because everybody knows what money's being made. They know what money is being made by athletic directors. They know what money's being made by head coaches. I just talked about Tony Elliott as a coordinator getting $2 million a year. Okay, So there's the money part of it. The rest of it, though, is out of balance. In other words, okay, Murphy says it's time to admit that something is very rotten when the industry makes $15 billion a year and many athletes can't afford to put food on the table. Okay. And it goes back to what I said to Dennis Dodd at the beginning of the interview when I was talking about the Supreme Court, that one of the pluses the NCAA will have is that Mark Emmert won't testify. Because, and, he, and you could hear him laughing about it because, I mean, he and I are on the same page, essentially. In the O'Bannon trial, Mark Emmert handed O'Bannon the victory on a silver platter on the witness stand. 
I talked about it on the show the day he testified. I said, I can't believe what this guy just did. I couldn't believe it. He gets up there and he starts doing the ivory tower argument. You know, we're a university and education and higher educational thing. No, don't do that. You're looking at a jury. Talk to them. Tell them where the money goes. Tell them that the money in that football stadium, a slice of it goes to the men's soccer program. And tell them that another slice in that stadium goes to the women's soccer program. And you tell them that the money a slice goes to the wrestling program. And that slice goes to the women's basketball program. And that slice goes to the baseball program. And that slice over there goes to the softball program. And then tell them all the scholarships that are not football or men's basketball. Because Penn State is, what, 800 student-athletes? Of the 800 student-athletes, 98 of them are football and men's basketball. The other 702 are not. And, of course, we know how it's divided up. Wrestling is 9.9. So Kale is constantly having to, you know, a quarter here, a quarter there. Maybe that guy gets 90%. There's a, you know, he has to be clever and figure out how to dole out the money he has with 9.9 so he can have a team. You know, Russ Rose has to work around his scholarships and, and divide it up so he has a team. But you still have scholarships going out to 702 additional student-athletes at Penn State because of the football and men's basketball money. Yes, are the coaches making a lot of money? Yes. Is the highest part of the administration making a lot of money? Yes, I got it. I do understand that. But the model of intercollegiate athletics is not just a football, men's basketball model. The model is that 700-plus student-athletes at this university, now it's different other places, Clemson has 20 sports, Penn State is 31, but Ohio State is 34. But the money is spread out across the lot, so when you're sitting there and arguing about Title IX... Well, this is part of what Title IX is, that the football and men's basketball programs make money off their radio deals, their TV deals, and so forth, their attendance, to make sure that the other sports are taken care of and the other student-athletes are taken care of. And that part is never brought up. And Mark Emmert had the opportunity to do it in the witness stand, and all he talked about were the principles of higher education. Are you kidding me? A jury tunes that out right away. They don't want to hear it. They don't want to hear about the ivory tower. They don't. But if you tell them where the money goes, and you look them in the eye and say, how many of you have daughters? How many of you have granddaughters? How many of you have children that play other sports like lacrosse, softball, cross country, or know somebody that does? That's where a lot of this money goes to give that kind of opportunity. 
and you get in that witness stand and you take that number of all the sports across the country and you take all the scholarship numbers, I don't know, let's just a random. I'll, I'll just do it randomly, okay? Uh, so we'll just do it randomly and say that they're, I think, no, I think we do know this. Isn't it 80,000 the number of student athletes that have scholarships? Because there's a commercial they run. There are 80,000 student athletes and everyone goes pro in something. So it's 80,000. Well, of those 80,000 in, what is it, 83 sports? So there's 80,000 student athletes on scholarship. Now, they may be 10th, they may be a quarter, maybe a half, 90% might be full, whatever it may be. Power five college football, where the money is made, obviously, is 65, including Notre Dame, times 85. So just so we'll, we'll say it's 6,000. College basketball is 13. Men's college basketball is 13, and we'll do the same thing. We'll just we'll keep it, even though it even though it's a little more extensive. You're talking, obviously. Um, you know, Villanova and the Big East and things like that. I got, I got that part. But let's just keep the numbers as simple as we can here for the sake of argument. So that's 800. So the 80,000 student-athletes, 6,800 in Power 5, are football and men's basketball. That means 73,200 or not. That's where the money is going to support them. Now, are there administrators that make money, coaches that make money? Yeah, I got it. Okay? I understand that part. I understand the argument that can be made about that part. But when you're sitting there, and it, it, it's so easy to make the statement and say that Something is very rotten when an industry makes $15 billion a year and many athletes can't afford to put food. Big-time college athletes, athletics looks no different than professional leagues. It's time to stop denying the right of college athletes to make money off their talent. I have no problem with name, image, and likeness. I am perfectly fine with that. I think that's great. But don't... I mean, I hate this argument... Because nobody seems to have the, the intelligence to counter and talk about it. Okay? I always love when I hear the words, let's have an honest conversation. Then nobody wants to have an honest conversation. Okay, so you started out the conversation by talking about that. Name, image, and likeness, I'm four. All right? That's, that's great. Gives an athlete a chance to make a name off their name, image, likeness. You know, that, that's fine because, you know, you've achieved something and so forth. Right? But remember... This $15 billion industry, not all the money is going to football and men's basketball. The other sports can't survive without it. Which means all those scholarship student-athletes, whether it's a tenth, a quarter, a third, a half, full, whatever it may be, it's critical to them. And now we're going into an era, because of the pandemic, where now the question has to be asked, how many of these sports do survive? Obviously, I'm, I'm an, ideal, uh, an idealist when it comes to this. I want them all to survive. I don't want anybody cut. But the formula of the money taken in, because college sports is not a for-profit industry. 
It is not. Penn State makes, I don't know, like a, if, when it's a normal year, not this like this past year. Don't they make five to eight million dollars in a year? That's your rainy day fund. And I'd like to point out in the past year we had a monsoon. It's too, it, some arguments are too simple to make because it's the argument that tugs at the heartstring, but you need to have an honest conversation. And when the president of the NCAA gets on a witness stand, like he did in the O'Bannon trial, and doesn't tell you where the money goes, you are going to lose every case every time. You're going to lose every time because people are not interested in the, in, in the ivory tower argument. It's a nice argument, but it doesn't win the case for you. Tell them where the money goes. Tell them that this men's soccer player at Pacific gets a scholarship because of it. Tell them that that the women's soccer player at San Diego State gets at least a scholarship because of this. And just keep going through and just give them the astronomical numbers and the amount of money it takes to do all of that for student-athletes across the country. And guess what? The jury's going to look at you and go, wow, that makes sense. But when you do the ivory tower argument, they look at you with blank faces saying, okay, um, eh, you're not going to win. It doesn't mean it's not a good argument. Higher education's critical. It's critical. Bucknell's an awesome university. A Bucknell degree has teeth to it. A Penn State degree has teeth to it. I mean, that that is a great starting point in life to get those degrees. But you're trying to win a case where the perception is you're hoarding all this money and there's a gigantic Swiss bank account out there. And that's how you're being portrayed. You have to counter it. And you have to tell them that, no, 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 no. These sports aren't keeping the money. We're spreading the wealth because we think Title IX is important. We think women's sports is important. Now they look at you now a little differently. It's a little different argument than the higher education argument because it's a sports argument. It's not an education argument. It's a sports argument. It's an opportunity argument. And then you throw in the, hey, look, 80,000 student-athletes go pro in something. And the reason is they've got that degree. And that degree happens because of the scholarship, and that degree, that scholarship happens in part because we can get people into football stadiums and basketball arenas and show them on TV. That's how the formula works. We try to make it work for everybody. We don't hoard the money. But he wouldn't do it. Shocking. We'll come back with more in a moment on News Radio 1070 WKOK. All right, great to have you with us on the show today. Brought to you by Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Key Routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf and online. SunburyMotors.com. Tomorrow, Holly Rowe will be on the show. The King will be on the show. And in the after show, we'll have the suit. We, uh, I did check the ratings, by the way, in the after show. Zero is a low number. So we thought we'd put him there. All right, so 
Want to talk about IndyCar? Got to it. So that's what all those zeros were on the memo sheet. Okay, that makes sense now. I've been trying to tell you. <laughs> Guy's favorite sport is people going in circles. There's something symbolic about that. <laughs> <laughs> I hate the show. <laughs> Once again, you are quick, my friend. <laughs> I'm just trying to keep, keep my good friend, and we got to get him on the show. We got to get Doug Birdsong on the show here one of these days. We definitely and we, should. And then we need to open up by playing the best of. <laughs> no, seriously, yes. because he he's got a best of reel that is unmatched. Yes, that is very true. He's a phenomenal play-by-play guy. Phenomenal. Think the world of him. So. But we should. We could, like, get three or four good ones. That went Doug on the show. It's some fun. I think Doug's got time right now. The heck? No good! No good! No good! That was Doug at home listening to the suit call. The, he, he saw what I saw. <laughs> And that was Doug's evaluation of it. <laughs> perfect. That is perfect. <laughs> oh, boy. Thank you. I'm back at 7 o'clock. Don't forget to tip your waitress. <laughs> I'm actually back in an hour. Carolyn Keeger, first half hour, Lady Line basketball that won their last three on the road in the Big Ten. And Jim Ferry. Final half hour. Penn State gets ready for Maryland tomorrow night at 7 in the Jordan Center with a 6.30 airtime. So back in an hour with that on the Penn State Coaches Show. Thanks for joining us today. Brought to you by Sunbury Motors on News Radio 1070 WKOK.